hey, hey, welcome to the Flow and Flourish podcast. I am your host, the Capacity Coach, Nicole Roan, and I am so glad that you're here. This is the safe space where we talk openly and honestly about all the things that can come up as we try to juggle our competing priorities, manage self-care, work in our businesses and or in the corporate space and intentionally work on managing our capacity so that we can show up in excellence in every single room that we walk in, aka be able to flow and flourish, hence the name of the podcast. We believe that when you flow effortlessly, you flourish tremendously. And this podcast is dedicated to giving you the tips, tools, resources, all those things that you need to be able to do just that. Now, if this is your very first time here, then welcome to the sister friend tribe of like-hearted, like-minded women who are on a journey similar to yours. We are all here to get our capacity together, okay? In order to do that, we use five different areas of flow to help you be able to manage it all. So create that work-life balance that's going to be ideal for your specific situation and ultimately just walk the talk. Now, more information on those five areas of flow can be found at the very beginning of this podcast. So episodes one through five, I believe. So make sure that you tap into those so that we are all working from the same foundation as we collectively increase our capacity for sustainable success. If you've been here before, then welcome back, sister friend. I'm so glad that you choose to tune in and spend your time and energy with me. You already know that I do this for you because when one of us wins, we all win. Now, before we get into the episode today, I do have to let you know that This episode is being brought to you by the Capacity Calculator. Yes, the Capacity Calculator is a free tool that allows you to really check in on what really is on your plate and what are you making a priority in your personal or professional life. If you've never taken it before, then I invite you to go ahead and take it today. And even if you have taken it before, take it again because our capacity shifts based on the season that we're in. All of the details can be found on my website or right here in the show notes. So make sure you take advantage of this absolutely free capacity calculator tool that I created for all of us to be able to flow and flourish. All right, let's get into this episode. Together, Camille Tate and Carla Patton are the HR twins. They are certified professionals in HR and bring almost 20 years of experience in the field. As owners of the Career Salon LLC, they pride themselves in providing organizations and individuals with a safe space to talk openly and honestly about navigating HR topics. They are the co-hosts of the Career Salon podcast with the HR twins, which is a top-ranked bi-weekly podcast covering issues related to career mobility, diversity and inclusion, recruiting, job searching, organizational culture, and leadership. They are also content creators for the Career Salon YouTube, social media channels, and their website, thecareersalon.com. Please help me welcome the HR twins to the Flow and Flourish podcast. Okay, ladies, we are recording. (laughs) Miss Camille. Miss Carla, it has been a long time coming and I know we've been trying to partner, but I'm super, super, super excited to have you on the Flow and Flourish podcast today. How y'all doing? We're doing good. Thank you so much. 
<laughs> Super exciting too. <laughs> oh, now you all know that just based on HR alone, I'm mm -hmm. super super happy to see two lovely women who are kicking booties and taking names in the <laughs> and really helping us to understand it in a more conversational way, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to impact not just the leadership but the employees. Mm -hmm. And so, because I love HR, why don't you guys start by just telling me? a little bit about how you got into HR, and then we'll talk about why you love it. I'll let Carla go first. Y'all volunteering each other. Right, because she got into HR before me. So I, I did, and I know people heard my story thousands of times, but it's a good story because I can speak for both of us when I say that we didn't plan to be in HR. We kind of just fell into it, which is kind of most people's stories. Yep. When you talk to them about why they're in HR, but of course, we graduated at a time, it was 9-11, there was no jobs. Our bachelor's degree is in information systems, so we thought we would go into IT. We thought we had that lined up with IBM, that didn't work out, they had a hiring freeze. So we took jobs in retail, selling, Camille was on the upper floor selling clothes in the women's section, and I was selling shoes. Okay. And so- Fair. Perfect pair, right? <laughs> We did that after graduating college and I had a different experience because I had clients for my shoe sales and I had clients that would come in and always see me and I worked in the shoe department for almost a year and I was just working, doing my thing, just trying to pay my bills and also looking for IT jobs and it was slow rolling and one of my customers was like, do you want to do this? you know, for the rest of your life. And I was like, of course not. I'm looking in, to get into IT. And she purchased a lot of shoes for me. And I didn't know what she did, but I know the shoes were expensive and she may have had a good job. So she was the VP of HR for a pharmaceutical company. And she told me she had an open role and that if I was interested, I could apply because she liked my customer service. She liked the fact that I was consistent every time she came in and that I always, you know, exhibited joy. And she thought those were good qualities to have an HR professional. And she was like, the rest of the stuff that you don't know, I can teach you, which she had to teach me because I knew nothing about HR. I didn't know what they did. I, I just never looked into it or never thought of that as a possible avenue for me to develop a career. And so I applied, I interviewed with her team and the rest is history. I'm almost 20 years in I, and no looking back. I have no regrets. This is, I think you find a thread of purpose through anything that you're passionate in. And I'm passionate about people. I'm passionate about helping people and leaning in my expertise to help them go through life and resolve issues at work and all of those things. So that's how I got into HR. Camille, what about you? <laughs> oh, now, I want to pause before you hop in, Camille, and just piggyback on what you said, Carla, that most people that, in my experience, kind of fall into HR. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that VP saw those transferable skills that mm -hmm. you possessed, even in what you're doing with shoes, and they're the ones mm -hmm. that I like to call the ones that you can't teach people how to do, right? Like, you had the foundation for that. All of the policies, procedures, and all of those, those innate capabilities were already kind of shining through. And so I love that you highlighted that and that she was able to, 
you know, pull that out of you and get you into the HR space because we need you, girl. So I feel like you can't really teach talent and gifts. You can teach skill. And that was a risk she took to teach me a skill. Like I already had the talent and the gifting to work with people. And so back then we were still filling out applications via clipboard, Um, really didn't have the web applications the way we do. But I still think this rings true even today, even though we have LinkedIn and all of those things, you're a walking brand. And our dad together, he always taught us if you're sweeping the floors, if you're a janitor somewhere, or if you're making $6 an hour, always act like you want to be there. Always act like you are joyful to work somewhere. It's a privilege to be physically able and mentally able to do something. So we just always keep that in mind, whether we have a web platform now or filling out applications electronically, we're walking brand. You never know who you're talking to that can give you an opportunity. You just never know. So be careful. I love it. And I remember, you know, when I was still in corporate and meeting with folks and talking to them about how you are your brand right? That's because you work in X, Y, and Z department. Yes. How you show up in that department is going to impact how other people see you. So I love that you said that. I'm going to pause. Camille, I want you to hop in and tell us how you found your way into HR too. I had a lot of, so Carla got into HR and I just went into like a variety of different jobs. Like she got her pathway. I didn't even think about going into HR when she got into HR. I was like, oh, that's great. I'm going to find my niche. And for me, I was like going the sales route, I guess. I sold diabetic testing supplies. And then I worked at my church for almost two years. Mm -hmm. And then someone was at my church and like, oh, have you ever thought about recruiting? And I was like, no, like, what is that? What does that entail? What does that even mean? Right. What does that mean? This was like in 2005, right? And so uh, that doesn't seem like a long time to me, but now it's 2022. So yeah, that's been a while. So the person was like, oh, I know this person is looking for a recruiter. It was like an entry-level position it was staffing, right? Technical staffing. I'm like, yeah, I don't really have any career things going on. I'm just working at my church. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll interview. So I interviewed with this leading staffing company for technical professionals and I got the job. And staffing is kind of like sales, but it's also not necessarily getting into HR, but it's like placing candidates, different uh, companies. And so that's how I got my start in recruiting. And I loved it. And I'm very competitive. And so staff started me starting in staffing. I was like, yes, I'm going to, you know, they put your name on the board. You have the amount of commission you make every week and you just like, they just push you to like grind harder. And, and I was like, oh, but I actually cared about getting people jobs. Like I would get people jobs that have been unemployed or people thought were unemployable. Like they hadn't had a job. I placed project managers that didn't have jobs in like two years and they were getting no like calls back. I would help them with their resume. I would do a write-up for the client. I would like make sure their dress and everything was appropriate and they would get those jobs. And that would be like, And every time I did that, it was just, I was like, oh yeah, I like this. I'm good at this. Like I'll stick with this. I made good money. And so I eventually wanted to go into corporate recruiting. And honestly, I was in staffing and as a recruiter, nobody, corporations weren't checking for staffing recruiters. 
Mm-hmm. They're like, you need to have corporate recruiting experience. Yep. <laughs> you need to have experience with A, B, and C. And I'm like, well, I don't have that. And I would like arrogantly, you know, be thinking, I'm like, why would I have to have all of this when half the companies that I'm applying to reach out to headhunters to help them with difficult roles that they can't fill? Mm-hmm. And I'm on the other side helping clients with roles they can't fill. I'm like, Who does that? I'm like, if anything, I'm working on your purple squirrel or niche type roles. And that's what we call it in recruiting, your purple yep. squirrel. Unicorns, that's what we call them, right? Yes. Unicorns with pink butterflies. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm working. So literally my first job in tech, in which I have a passion for, I love the tech industry. We can talk about why still now to this day, but- I wanted to be in tech. I wanted to work for a major player in the game. uh, And I applied and I heard nothing. And I reached out, I heard nothing. I reached out, I heard nothing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to work for this company. Guess what? Let me reverse engineer how I recruit and do that for myself. And just really knock down the door to really get a conversation with the companies that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. And like, no lie, the company that I wanted to work for emailed me. It was like three and a half months or so later after I reached out to them that to follow up to my application. Mm-hmm. I didn't know they were going through a transition and the chief people officer had transitioned out of the organization, but she did pass my outreach along to the interim chief people officer. And mm-hmm. she called me, she emailed me mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, we've received all your emails. We'd love to have you in for a chat. That's how I got my first job. Years, yeah. So it was like three and a half months later, and I got the opportunity. All I needed was that one shot to show and prove who I was, what the capabilities I had, and I got the job. So that's how I ended up getting into staffing, and then I ended up getting into corporate recruiting. I'm in awe. And so grateful that I have y'all here for the Women Making History series, because just even between the two different avenues of how you both got in, right? And then really being able to take what you were doing. I know you both started technically, right? With the technical side, but taking those transferable skills and building them into these consistent careers, right? Like this is not a one, two, three, four, five, even 10 year thing. You both have been in this and doing this. And Camille, as you were talking, I just was thinking about how, even though you were doing, you know, the recruiting piece, the holistic HR that you were doing mm-hmm. and the impact on people who had not had jobs in two years or that were deemed unemployable. Mm-hmm. And for me, just thinking the level of satisfaction that comes from that, because you mentioned, you know, yeah, you were competitive in the commission and all of those things. But is it safe to say that even amidst all of that, really being able to change somebody's life on the other side from the HR space mm-hmm. has something to do with why you are kind of still in and love HR? Oh, yeah, definitely. I love it for the people interaction. I love it. Like I said, you like for the track record that I've had and I look at my LinkedIn network differently. I look at my LinkedIn network and I literally look at everybody that I've had a hand in hiring or recruiting. I'm like, see their careers. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I had, you know, not that it was me. Of course, it's a little bit. And I, I had a, <laughs> so if it was a yellow brick roll, I'm like maybe one of those bricks, you know what I'm saying, that had a impact on this person. Like I have people that are like VPs and like 
chief this and senior SVP this. And I'm like, wow, I knew them when I interacted, I'm still connected to them. And I'm like, that's just amazing to be a part of something and people being able to provide for their families and be examples and models for their kids, for their nephews, nieces, whatever their families. That's like amazing. Yeah. Carla, you have anything to add to that? I don't know. I'm definitely on the same side, not as far as recruiting people, but, you know, giving people advice through employee relations conversations and helping people, pointing them in the right way in terms of resources to get if they're having mental health issues and through benefits and FMLA. And because a lot of people on my side, they don't understand their rights as an employee. And so I am not just union representative for managers. I work for everybody. Like I don't work for managers. (laughs) I work, I may partner with them, to push through business strategic, you know, outcomes and, and all of that. But I really pride myself on trying to be an employee advocate as well. So I try to look at things from both sides and not just go, oh, this is a manager and they're saying this, so I should believe them. No, not necessarily. So I'm in the room when the employee is not, and that's a different level of responsibility. And that's something that all HR professionals should take serious. Seriously, you're in the room when they're not. So you are their voice. And so you should think about those things when you're having those type of conversations. And so to me, that's the impact that I bring. Right. I agree. Like it's the same with recruiting too, right? Me and Carla started in HR recruiting back when there weren't a lot of people of color in our type of roles. And not that we're saying like, we need to be the advocates for all people from underrepresented groups but back when we started there weren't that many and Mm -hmm. the responsibility is on everyone no matter what color what background you come from if you are in a position where you have decision making power influence you're supposed to be that advocate so even on the side of the candidate we're having a debrief about a candidate and people are saying things that are off the cuff or not appropriate as far as judgment Mm -hmm. uh, decision making on which candidate to go to, or even kicking off the role, what the person might be looking for. Mm. You know, for example, let's say we're looking for a VP of finance, right? Mm-hmm. And we're saying, I want this person to have, they need to have worked for a startup. They need to have done an IPO. They need mm-hmm. to have, well, let's look at it. There's systemic racism that translates to a role that oh, might man. have requirements such as A, B, and C. Now, if you look at the full landscape of senior leadership in finance, the majority is this. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you take away and then you add the criteria of having experience for a startup or for a company that's done an IPO. Well, that's Mm -hmm. only a small percentage of companies. And then if you look at the overall financial professionals and then their experience with having a CPA and having an IPO, well, Okay, that reduces the diversity of your pipeline greatly. So let's step back. Are any of these requirements going to make or break? And this is not lowering the bar. This is being conscious that the systemic racism that people experience outside of work heavily influences the workplace. So if I am doing my job as an advocate for everyone, 
then I'm bringing these questions up so that we can start to eradicate or think about things that we wouldn't normally think about. And so that's another part of the job that I really love and that Carla and myself have taken it upon ourselves and which all HR professionals should to be that advocate and say, no, no, no. Hey, let's think about about it. Here are the stats. Here's Mm -hmm. the data. Let's think about it from this perspective Mm -hmm. and come up with something else or go a different direction. Yeah. Listen, I'm loving all of this because I just, similar to you both, I got into HR because I wanted to help people. And it was on accident, right? Like it was literally on accident. So much so that back in, it's been almost 20 years now. So back in 2003, I was doing customer service you know, taking calls. It was for Jeannie Garage Door Opener, y'all. That's how I was. I was <laughs> helping people climb up on top of their cars and fix their garage. <laughs> <laughs> and one day the receptionist kind of went out to lunch and they asked for someone to come and sit up front. And I was the fastest one to reply yes. So I got up there and eventually ended up being promoted into that role. But part of that was helping with the HR team to do the assessments were people back in the day with the clipboard, yep. with pen, yeah. right? And, you know, help them get set up to sit on the computer there to take the personality assessments or to yeah. answer the paper questions. And from that, I realized that really HR was like the psychology of business. Yeah. And at the time I was in school and, you know, getting my psychology degree But because of that exposure early on, as I continue to progress on the administrative side, I switched my degree to HR. And for me, having that level of impact, having that level of influence, being the one in the room to be both the business advocate and the employee advocate is so important. And, you know, I've shared with you both that me being in the space that I'm in now as a capacity coach has been because of me being able to play both of those roles, right? And people started coming into my office as if it was the therapy spot, right? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Listen, wanting to talk about, well, I'm not showing up to work on time because of X, Y, and Z. And so Mm -hmm. while understanding that was helpful, it also gave me that lens and the opportunity to partner with the businesses to say, hey, are you asking these kinds of questions before you're just saying so-and-so doesn't, you know, like their job or they're, you know, not performing well, are you Mm -hmm. looking at any of those things holistically? Because I firmly believe that how we show up at work Mm -hmm. is impacted by what's going on outside. And we've we've statistically, not even statistically, just in general have been taught that we got to leave stuff at the door. And so for me, I've always been the type of HR partner that puts the human back in HR. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that's what both of you do. And Carla, I'm over here laughing and really loving the fact that you talked about all the different pieces that you help with, right? You're doing the employee relations and helping people understand like, ma'am, you absolutely can take FMLA. I don't care what your manager told you. They cannot tell you, you can't take FMLA. And then (laughs) they're not understanding as managers that that's a whole lawsuit. You're about to have this company like right. off the map because you're not understanding how that impacts. So I love it so much. I get so passionate about it because y'all speak the language, right? Like <laughs> the benefits. And even from the recruiting side, Camille, I love what you said about being the advocate as well when 
you know, the candidate is not in the room and helping the leaders to understand systemically what's happened to reduce that candidate pool and helping to bring into, you know, the big picture, diversity, equity, inclusion for everyone. I just love it so, so much. I do want to ask to, you know, you guys have both alluded a little bit as to why you stay in HR and why you love it. Tell me, you know, aside from what you've already told me, what's the thing that you love the most about it that keeps you coming back? Because I know y'all can attest to this. It takes a special kind of person to be in HR. It's not just a regular old anybody. <laughs> I'm going to go ego a little bit. I'm good at it. I'm sorry. I'm really good at my job. Sorry, not Um, sorry. Since I, you know, trained me for a little bit, first few years, yep, I had my training wheels on. I was making mistakes. I was getting, I was trying to get my foot in the door and get my footing. But after that, it was complete soaring. And I have, you know, put in the work and done a great job at every company I've been at. So I love challenges. And so it was a challenge for me to do something. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know any labor laws. I didn't know any of that. And to mm-hmm. know that I put in the work, I got my MBA in HR management. I have, you know, both certifications with SHRM and HRCI. And I hate test taking, but I passed those. Like I put in the work, I met the challenges and I apply all of that at every single job and every single position that I've had. And I'm good at it. So that's my answer. I love that. Come through confidence. Because sometimes we downplay that, right? All HR people are not good HR people. Oh, no. So oh, no. You have an HR title does not mean that you're good at what you do. Because I know quite yeah. a few folks that, you know, have been put in positions because they know somebody that know somebody that know somebody or they've right. been there a long time and not having good HR impacts the entire organizational structure, right? Yep. Your recruitment, your retention, your employee mm-hmm. morale. So thank you for showing up and being good at what you do and being able to brag on that. That's a whole <laughs> thing. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Ms. Camille, tell me what keeps you in HR? What's the one thing that you love about it? I was going to say the same thing. I'm good at my job. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally, I have perfected my craft. I've worked so hard at building relationships with people, finding people. You know, I've worked really hard in that. And recruiters don't need a master's degree. We don't need those SHRM, HRCI certifications and things like that. But I got that too. And I've also had several recruiting certification highly decorated in degree so (laughs) I mean yeah Carla and I say that we laugh about it but I think when people are confident in what they do and things like that that doesn't mean that they're without having still opportunities to learn it just means we have paid our dues Mm -hmm. in each of our respective areas and we still work hard at what we do and Carla and I are both leaders in our roles we manage others And I think we are the type of people, we're good at our job, but we're not just saying that because at any point I could jump in and recruit six to 10 recs and still do my other job as well. So it's, you know, not that we're saying this from a position of power or that we're sitting on the throne and we're no longer doing the day-to-day work of HR recruiting. We do it every day because what we love to do. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that people are like, oh, I love it because 
Yeah, because you do the high level stuff, not really like tapping in, not really seeing what's going on in the market and tackling employee issues, new things that may pop up with the new generations entering the workforce, whether they're employees or entering as candidates, all of those things. We're staying on top of our craft as we've been doing this almost 20 years. As the generations change, HR and businesses change accordingly. So we're staying on top of it. And I would say, yeah, I'm here because I'm good at what I do. I don't know what else I would do because I'm good at this, right? And it doesn't always, I wouldn't say it always makes me happy in terms of, oh my gosh, I just love my job and love with it. It's not Sometimes the the enamel is, it kind of wears down a little bit, but you have to pick yourself. If you are really passionate about something, that's going to happen. You're going to have ebbs and flows in your career, but you also kind of pick it up and you find new things that renew your energy in what you do. And so that's why I've still been in, you know, recruiting because I just find things to renew my energy. But yes, it is exhausting because you're working with human beings. All of us are flawed and it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. It is literally exhausting because people call audibles all the time and the changes and the back and forth and the I'm just doing this. Now I'm not doing this anymore. I like this, but I don't like it. (laughs) This is what I felt about the job before I interviewed for it. Now I'm looking for something different. Now I'm looking for 500,000 instead of 100,000. Like it's so many back and forths. And that wears you down. And so you just have to look for the glimmer mm-hmm. from week to week. Yeah, I agree. You know, similar to both of you ladies, really wanting to get in and do a good job, but not just say that, but do it, right? Mm-hmm. And for both of you, it sounds like the proof is in the people, right? And the people and the organizations that you worked with, I'm sure neither of you would be where you are in your roles being leaders if you were not good at your job. So I applaud you and I thank you for continuing to be in a space that can be difficult sometimes because Camille, as you mentioned, it's exhausting. It really, really is, you know, and being able to really still navigate through that, but understand that, you know what? I didn't choose HR, HR chose me and Mm -hmm. how I feel about it. And Mm -hmm. understanding how your decision to show up each and every day to do that work is having that ripple effect, not Mm -hmm. just on, you know, like you said, the person that is hired, but watching them flourish through their career. And for me, sometimes that looked like implementing policies or programs that I still to this day after 15 plus years get calls about, right? Mm -hmm. Like being able to help employees be self-sufficient for leaders to understand the value of HR and really putting those two together. So I know I'm talking super high level, so I'm gonna bring it back down a bit. And I want you both, if you can, if there's someone out here who is listening and saying, cause I hear it all the time, Nicole, how did you get in HR? What do I gotta do? And because many of us don't come from that traditional background, I never had an HR internship ever, not <laughs> ever, right? So what kind of advice can you give for those who, similar to us, are passionate about people who really want to make a difference in the business world and want to get into HR? What can they do in this climate now, right, to get into HR? I've said this before, but I always inspire people or encourage people to do the work before you get the job. Mm -hmm. So 
we have all of these ways to make your brand known all of these ways to get educated about what you want to do next that we didn't have when we came into HR. And so we have so much information on the internet and courses you can take and just networking with other people. Find you a mentor that is able to connect with you and collaborate to guide your career. If you don't know how to put a resume together, pay somebody. You better save up. You better save up and pay somebody to get you a good resume. Put in the work before you get the job. Use your transferable skills. Don't just say, oh, I don't have these skills the job description has on it, so I'm just not going to apply. No, I'm going to find, I'm going to reach way back in my past on the jobs that I've had, and I'm going to put those transferable skills on there, and I'm going to see how I can get into it. So there's lots of ways you can do that in whatever job that you're at, whether it's HR or not. I think my reputation follows me. It followed me from when I got recruited off of a shoe sales floor that everywhere that I would work, I put in so much thought and effort into what I'm doing. I'm always a regrettable loss. Mm. Always. If I leave you, it's a regrettable regrettable loss. (laughs) It's a regrettable loss. So whatever job you're working, whether it be at Taco Bell or your customer service at the front desk or whatever, work your brand to be a regrettable loss. And that reputation that follows you because you're a regrettable loss and the fact that if you want 50 references, I can give you 50 references, a combination of executives, mid-level managers, and employees, that's what you want. Agree everything with everything you said, Carla, but people also forget that there's volunteerism. Yeah. People think, oh, I want to get into HR. And then people think about the paycheck of it all. If you have a big gap between where you are and where you want to go, there are ways that you can gain those skills. You can volunteer for a nonprofit. Nonprofits have opportunities all the time to work in different capacities, right? So if you really want to gain experience, I think that's a route that people forget about. Because you can also include that on your resume. I think a lot of people, you know, and people out here, and I see it all the time on LinkedIn, just apply for the job. It doesn't matter if you have the skills or whatever, just apply its potential and this and that. There's a bajillion people in this world and they can apply for any job they want to. If you can't explain to me why you want this job and if you have transferable skills, how they transfer A lot of it is not even the transferable skills. You can't communicate. So how about one of the aspects of transitioning from one field to another is communication Mm -hmm. of those skills and what you can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. I'm all for applying for jobs or advocating for yourself and pursuing something that you might not be entirely qualified for. But guess what? When I talk to candidates and they can't articulate and they can't explain themselves. And I'm where I'm looking for all this potential that people as a recruiter want me to look for and just give people a chance. I'm totally willing to give people a chance. They just got to be able to communicate. You know, that's the biggest piece of it all. It's communication. And Carla can tell you, and I can tell you, one of the biggest downfalls in, it doesn't matter what position it's in, one of the biggest downfalls that I see among leadership, managers, and just employees in general is the ability to communicate and mm-hmm. not having that. That's the biggest 
biggest thing that can make or break you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're thinking about transferable skills to HR and all those things, the biggest transferable skill that you're going to have is communication and articulation. Well, Camille, you made me think, of, I know I thought I was done, but I have one more thing to add. Come on, give it to us. So when you're talking about those transferable skills and you have communicated effectively to get a job and say, you know, it's time to put those things into action. There's another skill called getting ish done. <laughs> you Sometimes you just got to figure it out. I don't know what this means. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to figure ish out. That's a skill that back in the day we had to have. Now it's kind of like some people, I'm just going to skate through and do the bare minimum. No, because when the ish hit the fan, you got to figure ish out. <laughs> so that is a skill that I would implore people. You may not know how to do everything. But there's no excuse when we have Google, you have LinkedIn, you can ask somebody else, you can ask them, figure (laughs) it out. We didn't have all the tools that it's no excuse. We didn't have all the tools. And I know, you know, Nicole, too, we didn't have all of these tools that Mm. we just have at our fingertips right now. So when I see employees and Carla probably sees this all the time and back in her career, it's like, hey, I have a question. Hey, what is this word? Hey, I have a question. Hey, what is the legal blah, blah, blah on this? Mm-hmm. And me and Carla are old school. Cause it's like, we had to, we had to, we had to figure, we had to sit at our desk and just really like figure this out. You have <laughs> Google, you have Britannica, you have Sherm, you have HRCI access to the big book that sat on the bookshelf, right? Not right. the Britannica right. library. You got the whole internet Britannica. It's available <laughs> to you at the touch of a button. You got all of these tools, YouTube. You can learn how to put in a carburetor on YouTube. There's definitely <laughs> how to create an employee handbook, how to do payroll, like how to use a software. All of those tools are accessible. Mm-hmm. And so I'm all for this rah-rah, everybody gets a job and whatever they want and make whatever amount of money they want. But you still got to do work. And not everybody's going to hand things to you, especially now that things are more accessible. I agree. And even just to piggyback off of that a little bit, because you both said so many great things. Just if you're going to get into HR, knowing that if this isn't the type of role that you can just kind of skate through, right? Mm-hmm. And understanding what comes with that territory, you're going to have to figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. It's about using your problem solving skills, which is one of the things that I love about it because, you know, no one day is ever the same. It might no. be 25 fires one day and two the next, but even though it's two fires, you still got payroll, you still got employee relations, <laughs> you still got yes. performance reviews. Listen, you still got comp analysis that you have to do partnering with recruitment all of those different things and so HR is not for the faint of heart it's for Mm -hmm. someone who really wants to come in and can say you know what I may not know everything but I'm gonna figure it out right and crafting different solutions to not just help the business but to help the employees as well because oftentimes and this is why I wanted you both to be on this episode is because we're trailblazing in HR. Our, mm-hmm. The leaders are depending on us to stay abreast of those different trends, to mm-hmm. help them figure out what's going to make wanting to stay here or wanting to come and work here better. 
and really being able to use Camille to your point that communication right like it can be all good in your head but if you're not able to articulate why taking a certain business move is going to be best for the overall business or why Mr. or Miss employee hollering at your manager is not going to get you what you're looking for and you're still going to have a negative performance review I can't help you fix that (laughs) I don't change that you know, being able to lean into both of those things, I think is going to be super important. So mm-hmm. I want to shift a little bit and ask you both to talk to me about what you do outside of your HR roles, because you have this amazing podcast and you are doing such good in the neighborhood and having these open and honest, like real life conversations about HR. And to me, that's history making and putting it in a space and terms that we can all digest and understand so that we feel like we have access. So I'm going to stop talking. And I want you to tell me a little bit about how that came to be, what you do, and why people need to come see y'all. So we have our own business. It's called The Career Salon. It started off as a blog by Camille in 2016. Um, I was going to start my own blog, but we were in a pandemic and she was like, why do you start your own blog when I have a blog and it's Come HR? We could just combine our skill set and what we want to talk about. And so we started blogging together. You know, we formed an LLC. We do consultative services. We perform webinars and seminars, workshops for companies. We do one-on-one consultations with clients. We call ourselves career therapists. That's what we do. We don't redo resumes, but we'll help you work through it um, to figure it out. So that's what we do. But we also have a podcast. It's the Career Salon Podcast with the HR Twins. And we just talk about everything. We grew up in a barbershop. Our dad was a barber. And we just were so enamored by like all of the different type of conversations. We had people in the corner playing dominoes, you know, talking about what they ate last night and what, what they put on the grill. And then we have people over here playing cards and talk about politics and who the new mayor was going to be and all of that. Then we have the people in the chair talking about the new song that just came out by the temptations and all of that. We heard all those different type of conversations going on and people were just so free. It was like a breath of fresh air to come in and just air out what was going on. And all of these people were employees somewhere getting paid from some employer. And that was their like refuge to come there and have those conversations. And so we wanted to provide our audience with like an environment like that and the guests that we have on there to have that type of freedom. And so we've been doing it. It'll be two years in March um, that we've had our podcast and we're top rated on several different websites and we're just excited and we're going to keep on going because we love having these conversations. It can be challenging to do all the things where we work full time, we're moms, we're wives, and we do all these things, (laughs) but we just love it. And I think the thing that keeps us going is just our passion for what we do, period. We love it so much that we do it outside of office hours. (laughs) Yeah, that's a true commitment. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Camille, anything to add to that? You know, I know, Carla, you talked a little bit about how it came to be, why it got started. And I love that it's that safe space, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, the people that were coming into the barbershop were having these conversations. They were employed by somebody else. And I mentioned a little bit earlier that my office turned into like the therapy spot. Right. 
how important is it for us to have this sort of a space where people can talk about the issues that come up in their roles in the HR space, whether you are a business owner, whether you are the CEO of a large corporation or an employee that's looking to further develop your career and grow, like how important is it that we have this space to have these conversations? Yeah, I think it is important to have that space. That's not a space that a lot of people can have the opportunity to have at work, right? You are taught to keep things separate. You know, how we grew up, you don't bring personal things. You don't talk about politics. You don't talk about any of these things at work. So basically, <laughs> so basically, you're supposed to show up at work as somebody not yourself, right? Because you're not embracing your full authentic self if you're not able to bring that entire kind of scope to work, right? Even though those things affect you at work and some of those things might literally affect your work, your organization. So I think it's important to have a space. And I also think it's important to have a space. A lot of people, this may be changing a little bit, but a lot of people don't trust HR. Like we're supposed to be that place where you can go to and have those conversations. You know, it'll be in the confines of this wall, this space or whatever. A lot of people that have been in the workplace for a long time, they know that's not true. They know that a lot of places that they've been, they've been harmed in a supposed safe space, right? And so we want to make the career salon somewhere where people can, okay, I can't talk to my HR, but I can talk to the career salon, their HR. They give me the advisement. We're not lawyers. We're not, you know, anything like that. But some people just need to talk to HR to walk through like situations that they're going through at work or in their job search and things like that. And a lot of people hesitate to ask questions about their rights as an employee and things like that. They don't want the retaliation. And that happens all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So we really want to have a space where people can come talk to HR. We're just the HR for it outside. And that's where people, a lot of people feel like they need to go just because they can't do it where they work. You know, I'm beaming over here because as someone being in that space, I would get all the time, you know, you're a different kind of HR person. Yeah. And really, I prided myself on being able to build and even rebuild those relationships with people because there is a lot of HR hurt that's out there. Because as we mentioned, you know, not everybody in HR is a good HR person. And I love that you all are creating this space where they can come and get advice. I know y'all not lawyers and whatnot, but your experience again, y'all both really, really good at what you do, right? Almost 20 years in and you're creating this space where people can come and get that advice. And I want to ask that sometimes, does it look like helping to shape the conversation for them to go back and have conversations with their HR? Tell me a little bit about that. Exactly. Career therapy is what we do is exactly that. When we have a client today, We talk to people, we help them talk through what they want to see in the end as their result and how to do that. So even if it's giving advice on applying for FMLA or asking for an accommodation or how do I level up and ask for a promotion or negotiate a raise or we talk through that. And so we work with them and several of our clients have been very successful when we talk it through. We really want to think about it. We really want to get that imagination and creativity turned on for them and ask them questions that will really help guide themselves. Sometimes all that's missing is the right question. Yep. 
And sometimes people can't think of that for themselves because they're so in it. And so they need outside help to help them through that. So yeah, that's what we do. And I love it. And I love to see the wins that our clients are getting. It's just amazing. It's that same joy that we get at work. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's so good. Y'all, this has been so fun. I, uh, <laughs> yes. I know we're going to have to partner again outside of this because y'all got my HR juices flowing. I'm so excited. <laughs> I miss it. I miss it so, so much. So I'm grateful again for the space that you hold and the way that you're able to help people really not just buy into, but live authentically and embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion from a mm-hmm. standpoint of really being able to show up holistically. That don't mean you got to come in and tell everybody your business about what's going on, right. but it means really being able to understand how they work in tandem with one another. So I want to thank you for what you do. Before I let you get out of here, though, I do want to ask you the couple of questions that I ask all my guests just to kind of see where you're at with these things. And I think it's interesting, especially being in the HR space and being women who are moms and wives and all that good stuff. So the first one is, if you could go back and have a conversation with the 17-year-old version of yourselves and give her one piece of advice and one piece of advice only, what would it be and why? For me, I would say perfection does not exist. Can you tell me that? (laughs) I'll struggle with that since I was very young and it's still a battle some days where I'm striving for perfection Mm -hmm. and it doesn't exist. And so, you know, that's heavy on your mental health to strive for something that doesn't exist. It's imaginary, like it's not real. And so I would say that piece. No such thing. I love it. All right, Camille, what about you? Don't sweat a hater. when you me and Carla talked about being good at our jobs right and learning and like striving for excellence and that's our goal to be good at our jobs but along my career people would like I remember one of my jobs that I had and I was blowing it out of the water and I had a review somebody gave me a review and I was so new I wasn't supposed to have a review but they gave me a review anyway. And they said I was arrogant. I was always celebrating my win. I couldn't wait to give you that review, huh? Went outside a procedure to do it. I was always celebrating my wins and it's a team effort and this and that. And that has happened to me a couple of times where I've even had a manager say, on a review, Camille is like really displaying like all of her accomplishments that was not necessary to put in this review. We know all of her, you know, she's gotten these HRCI Sherm and designations mm-hmm. and all this stuff. We don't need to see all that. It's a review. And so it would bother me to the point where in some cases I would kind of draw back as far as like how I operated because I was like, okay, but if I do this, even though I did do this and it was a success, it was a win they're going to say something. So I just need to like, just sit back and just kind of humble myself a little bit more. But if I had to go back, I would say don't sweat a hater because a lot of people won't work to the capacity that you're trying to work to. Some people just go to work. It's just a job to them. It's just, I'm collecting a paycheck. Me and Carla, she told you how our dad raised us. We never thought about work like that. We thought about work. We go, if we get paid, 
or somebody is instructing us to do something, we have a job to do, whether it's our business or somebody else's, we're about to put it on the map. We're about to do a great job. You're going to get some quality work. And that is going to bring- do it well, right? right. And, that's, yeah. and that yeah. might bring people, you can't concern yourself with people thinking, oh, that's arrogant of them to showcase the work that they've done. And let me tell you on the flip side, I've had to show my work and put together portfolios. I've had to get myself raises and adjustments three times in my career. Yes. If I didn't have those accomplishments and things like that, I wouldn't have been able to advocate for myself. So I would just, you know, go back telling my 17 year old so don't concentrate or don't pull yourself back because people don't like how you do things. I, we always are as humble as possible. But when you're good, you're good. And you should celebrate that. Yep. No matter. It's not bragging if you got facts. Yeah. It ain't tricking. I got receipts. Right? Receipts. <laughs> now (laughs) and part of that I want to say too is because and you all know this when you shine your light it makes other people feel uncomfortable because either they're envious of where you are right or they're not sure how to get there and the only way to even or level the playing field is to make you feel bad about where you are and Mm -hmm. so I love 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 the fact that you talk about not worrying about your haters and even helping us understand, I'm a firm advocate for that as well, that self-advocacy. And yeah. I too have had to get myself promotions, raises, all of those different things. If I can help the other people do that, I need to understand how bright my light is and what I contribute to this organization yeah. and be able to communicate and articulate why I deserve X, Y, and Z, you right. know? So I love it. And you can't do that without knowing what you bring to the table. So yeah. come on, y'all. Oh, goodness. Okay. So the next question is, since we are on the Flow and Flourish podcast and I am a capacity coach, tell me something that you do on a regular basis to manage your capacity to make sure you're able to flow and flourish, whether you are at work, at home, you're doing the career salon. Tell me that. We might need Nicole. We might need a consultation on that. We No, we try to be everything to all things yeah I know I know that's something that we both need to work on because we literally for the past I don't know if it's because of the pandemic because I remember we weren't really like this prior to the pandemic so maybe it's just the pandemic we just do too much and we don't have enough time no note to self Yep, we don't okay we have been doing better in the last several months we both have a peloton We work out together on the Peloton. So trying to take care of ourselves physically and hold each other accountable for what we put in our bodies. So we have been doing that much and taking care of our skin and steaming our face and doing stuff like that. So we, we, yeah, we have been doing that, but it's like, you know. Sound like y'all need to do a little bit more. A little bit more. But you desire to do that in a bigger way. So that's perfect. And I love the honesty, right? Like that maybe it's not in a place where you want it to be, but even part of me asking that question is for my guests to step back and think about that for a second, right? Like, am I doing the stuff that I need to do? So I'm proud of you both for recognizing that there are things that you currently are doing, but that you could do better. So come on Peloton, come on with the glowing skin, (laughs) holding each other accountable. I love it. I love it. I love it. 
last question is, I know we've talked about so many different things today and you both have provided such insight into what it's like to be in HR, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of those different things. But if it's one thing that you want the listeners to walk away knowing or feeling after listening to this, what would it be? For me, I would go back to saying, make yourself a regrettable loss. That's what I want people to, all the things that we've said about putting in the work, doing the work before you get the job, making sure you have receipts, being resourceful, all of that contributes to being a regrettable loss wherever you go. People are like looking for your shadow. Like, where did he, she go? Like, you know, so and stuff like that. And that, no, you know, that lets you know you made an impact. Yeah, you're right. Be a regrettable loss. I, <laughs> I remember vividly when you're doing the exit interviews or, you know, working to give stats to senior leadership. Was this a regrettable loss? Carla and Camille say yes every single time. Every, every single time. time. Every time. Bet your bottom biscuits. <laughs> Yep. I love it. <laughs> <Biscuits> and jelly. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> okay, Camille, what about you? I have to agree with Carla. She ran down the list. I mean, that's so important. It's things that we remind our clients and people to do every day. And that's not just talking about work, right? It's how you show up in life. You are being resourceful, being transparent, being honest about your strengths and your downfalls or the capacity, the things where you need to pick up in. I think that people think that bringing your full self to whatever is just the good things, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that it's just the good things. We're all flawed human beings, right? So bringing your authentic self to whatever table and that personal brand, that includes Mm -hmm. some not so bright and rosy things. So just embrace that. And honestly, embrace that, but don't just leave the things that you need to work on there and just be like, that's just me, right? Because they're going to stay there. They still part of you. Right. Actively pursue improvement. Actively pursue improvement and being your authentic self. I love it. And that just makes me think it kind of ties into what both of you have been saying the entire time. But for me, one of the things that I do both personally with my clients and even in the HR space is doing a regular SWOT analysis because it's good to know what you're good at, right? But what are you not so good at? And then when you understand what that is, how do you strengthen those areas? Who can you partner with? Like, how do you get those up to par? And really when you are performing that kind of an analysis on a regular basis, you're always going to be a regrettable loss, whether it's in a personal relationship, if it is in a professional relationship, And being able to just understand that it's okay to not be perfect because it doesn't exist. Like all of those things, like, y'all, this is so amazing. I'm so ecstatic. I'm giddy, but I know we wait over time. So I'm going to let y'all get out of (laughs) here. Before you do, please, please, please tell everybody where they can find you. Of course, I got all the info in the show notes, but I want to, before you say that, I know I said I was going to let you talk, but I just honor you both so, so very much. I know we didn't get a chance to talk much about it, but I know sometimes being in the HR space, it can be lonely for people of color, but we're working through that. Things are shifting and changing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you all are helping organizations understand how to have these conversations and how to advocate for employees or candidates who may not be in the room to have this ripple effect. You both are the epitome of what 
making history is in my eyes. So I thank you for what you do in the organizations, outside of the organizations. And I need everybody to get with y'all. So tell them where they can find you. <laughs> thank you so much. We actually have a website. It's thecareersalon.com. So you can visit us there. We're also on all podcast platforms, which, you know, Spotify, big controversy, but uh, we're on, <laughs> we also have a anchor we're on Google, we're on Apple Podcasts, we have some videos on YouTube, so you can go to our YouTube, The Career Salon, and then if people want to email us, email us, it's info at thecareersalon.com. And Are you on, where, is it the same on LinkedIn? Everything, and LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, is all The Career Salon, we have a brand, honey, it's The Career Salon. <laughs> <laughs> Through and through. Oh my yes, goodness. Yes, everything is the career salon. Sure. Well, I know that people are going to be reaching out because HR, again, is sometimes considered the bad place, right? Or the principal's office and those relationships. You know, yeah. Being able to build that trust. And so the fact that you're helping from the outside to help on the inside and you have that inside real experience, again, degreed. And all of those things, all the certifications, all the things that you need, but even just the heart to serve, right? To want to have that impact, to help. It, it's amazing. So again, thank you. I know people are going to be reaching out and- Come on. And thank oh, you oh, so thank much you. for having us. So, so we appreciate you. This is not going to be the last. So no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, ladies. Thank you so very, very much. Woo, that'll do it. <laughs> oh, it was such a great conversation. And you all know that HR is like my very first baby. I love human resources and I love what these ladies are doing. So make sure that you connect with them, that you tell them how this episode has helped you and that you share it with other people who may need their services as well. Because I believe that good HR people are a whole blessing and you need a good HR person in your personal and professional life. Make sure you stay tuned. We have one more episode this week that is coming out on Saturday as we wrap up Women's History Month. So keep listening, keep sharing, come getting poured into. And thank you as always for being here and allowing me to be your capacity coach. I will talk to you next week.